Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Epic Classroom Podcast. My name is Trevor Muir and I've been a middle and high school teacher as well as a teacher of future and current teachers and I love a good story. And I love to explore ways to help students live out great stories and for their educators to thrive in their own. And that's what we talk about in this podcast. I mean, whatever you teach or however you serve in schools, how can you lead a more impactful, dynamic, meaningful, and epic classroom? All right, friends. Well, thanks for uh, tuning in to episode 28. I was just thinking about it. It has been exactly one year and four days since the very first episode of this podcast was released. And that, to me, that feels like a big deal. I've done this for a year and, and hopefully you've been listening the whole time or maybe you're listening to it for the very first time, but this is now year two of the Epic Classroom podcast. And, and it just excites me that I get to do this. Like what a privilege it is to get to connect with people and that um, I get to come down to my local library and share some thoughts and ideas and, and stories and that there's actually people out there in the world from all different places listening to it and, and hopefully engaging with it. And then really hopefully, I mean, if I'm being honest, I hope that you get to take some of the ideas of what we talk about on here and use them in the work that you do to serve students and serve your school or serve your staff and serve your community and serve your society and serve the globe and the human race. Like that's the idea is you make things and you hope that they put some good back into the world. And I don't know the impact of any of the things that I do directly. I don't think we ever know exactly what our impact is, um, but all we can do is just put it out there and, and, and do our very best. And, you know, I considered making a podcast for a long time, literally years thinking about like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to do a podcast and, and get to connect with people on there? And I, I make all these videos, but on the Internet, you only have like a minute to catch people's attention before they scroll to the next video. But podcasts, you can talk a little bit longer and get into it and go off script and it's a little bit more informal. And so I had this dream of doing it. But I just never did it. Like, it, there was just too many big question marks. Like, will anybody listen to it? Or what if it takes a lot of time to make? By the way, it does take a lot of time to make things. But the, I, I had these questions about it. How am I going to record it? How, what am I going to talk about? What if I run out of things? And the, these were all the different reasons why I didn't do it for all the years that I had the idea of doing it. And then a year ago, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And so now I get to make these podcasts each week and, and, and I love it. I, I love the experience of getting to do this. And it's been a really fun year of adding a new project to my life, something that's different, but then also similar. And, and it's been fun to hear feedback from people about what you think about it. And I get so moved by seeing people share it. And it's just a fun net positive in my life. And I hope it's a net positive in yours. So with all that being said, it's been a year of making podcasts. And I don't want to stop now because I really enjoy it. And I thank you for listening, whether you've been listening for the past year or whether you are tuning in for the very first time. Thanks for uh, listening to this podcast. It's just me and a microphone at a local library where they have a podcast room. And that's all I have to say about that. So 
I want to talk about getting students' attention. And the reason this is on my mind right now, I, I, I haven't named the episode yet. I don't know if that's bad uh, podcast etiquette, if I should like come up with the title of the episode and then record it. I don't know what I'm going to call it yet, but it has to do with this idea of how do we get students' attention without losing our cool? Or, or how do we not lose our temper when we're trying to get an entire room full of students' attention at one time? Um, and the reason that's on my mind is this past weekend... I was invited to a Young Life camp, and I don't know if you know what Young Life is, but it's a non-denominational Christian ministry um, for adolescents, middle and high school students, and uh, they do these weekend camps, and, and I got invited to go be a speaker for the weekend, and I had to give four talks to kids and share stories and ideas and all of that with them, and I was so excited about it. You know, in my speaking life, it's usually with teachers or educators and, you know, school leaders and sometimes people outside of education, um, but it's almost always with adults when it comes to speaking and telling stories, and, and, you know, the more I've done it, the more schools I've been at and conferences and keynotes and workshops and, and, and even virtual, the more I've done it, I feel like, oh, the better I get at it and the more practices I come up with and, and the more ways of getting people to engage and lean in and be interested. And I, I've gotten a lot better at it. And so when I got asked to go and speak to a bunch of middle school students this past weekend, I was like, great, I'm going to take everything I do uh, with, with, with large groups of adults and I'm going to do that with large groups of middle schoolers. Now, I've been a high school teacher for quite, I was a high school teacher for a long time and I even worked in middle school for a while. And so it's like, oh yeah, I can connect with middle schoolers. I, I was a middle school soccer coach for a couple of years, which I need to tell you some of those stories at some point. But I was like, all right, I get middle schoolers. I've led plenty of classrooms full of them. What's the big difference between leading 30 middle schoolers and leading 500 middle schoolers? This is going to be a piece of cake. And then on Friday night this past week, I'm up on the stage and, uh, and I don't know if you've ever been to a Young Life Club before, but it's wild and loud and exciting and, and middle schoolers get all of their energy up. And I thought like, you know what? Usually when I talk to adults, I want to like be funny at first. I want to break all the tension, get them laughing and feeling, and then we'll dive into some of the, the subject matter of what we're talking about. Whatever that is, like we're going to start funny and light, and then we'll start zooming into wherever we want to go. And I thought, all right, that's what I'm going to do with these middle schoolers. And so I walked up on this stage and, and all the kids, I mean, there's 500 of them and they are there and they are loud and they're feeling it. And I thought I'd be able to walk out and be like, all right, everybody. My name is Trevor. I can't wait to spend some time with you this weekend. And, and so that's what I did. I said that, and they couldn't hear a word they, I said. I mean, I had a microphone on. They had the speaker system all turned up. I'm in this huge, giant auditorium-style room, and I'm trying to get everybody's attention, and they just keep talking. And so... I'm like, okay. Um, I said, all right, everybody. And I put my hands up high and I was like, all right, maybe I'll use my body language. Sometimes that works to get people's attention. And so I did that and they all just kept looking at me and talking and going on and on. And I was like, oh boy. And so finally I got them to calm down a little bit. And I started about with, I, I started out with my talk and I was like, all right, I'm going to pack in the funny in the beginning and make them like me. So they'll listen about the more important stuff later on. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to make a joke. And so I made a joke and they loved it and it took a good three minutes to bring them back and and I 
I've never felt so humbled in my life as an educator and somebody who thinks they know something about working with adolescents. I didn't know anything because I made a joke. It had something to do with alpacas and I could not get them back. Like, I mean, I, I, I employed every trick I have. I'm putting my hands out. I'm trying to do all this. I even like sat quietly and I said, I'll wait. And I, and I sat quietly and I was like, hopefully maybe if I just give them that old teacher stare, that'll calm them down and nothing was working and, and, and it was so challenging and it reminded me of my first year in the classroom where it was kind of the same story where I'm trying to get students attention and nothing seems to be working and I'm trying the the different techniques and 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 different ways of getting kids to pay attention or to bring it in and, and get them to be quiet and it wasn't working and it was like I was brand new all over again it turns out the thing that I learned with this group this weekend was like, you know what? I have to like, they're going to meet my energy. And so if I go in there all hyped up and amped up, they're going to be the exact same way. And they might not have the social maturity to be able to redirect and, and, and bring their energy down. Right. It's almost like they're, they're like cold blooded reptiles <laughs> where like they, they can't really manage their, their heat. They can't manage their energy. I actually have to do it for them. Um, I don't know if that reference is going to land, but it lands for me. Uh, but like I, and so like the second day, like when I had to give my second talk uh, the, on Saturday morning this past weekend, I walked in and I was much calmer and I decided I'm not going to start off by being really funny in the beginning because it's just way too hard to bring them back. And so I learned and, and, you know, and I, and I had still had some troublemakers in the room that were really challenging and I learned, oh, I can, you know what, pull those kids to the side at the end and say, hey, can you help me with this? I'm really trying to get the room quiet and I feel like you're a leader. A lot of other kids seem to be looking to you. Would you be able to help me out and model what it looks like? And when you get kids one-on-one, -on -one, it's much easier easier to have those serious conversations. And so I just learned some lessons and then the rest of the weekend went great and there was tons of connection and I loved it. But man, that first week or that first night on Friday this past weekend was really, really challenging. And it makes me think about the classroom and how sometimes the things that we try to get students to, to be quiet or to pay attention or just bring it in, it, they don't work, right? Like sometimes raising your voice doesn't work. It's ineffective. You know, I think most teachers have been through this exact scenario. You try to start class with a line like, okay, everyone, we're going to get started. And a couple students might glance at you like indignant that this adult up there is bothering them. And so maybe a little louder you say, all right, everyone, it's time to start class. And this gets the attention of a few more students, but still the majority of kids keep talking to each other, ignoring the fact that their teacher is in the front of the room with a face that's like turning redder and redder. And finally, just tell me if this sounds familiar, you lose your temper, you raise your voice, the room might go quiet, but then you're felt left feeling a little embarrassed and maybe even more you're frustrated that it takes yelling to get your class's attention. That's what I was feeling on Friday. I was starting to get frustrated. I was, I was getting flustered and it, and it started making me, you know, feel a little less confident about what I do and how I connect and why aren't these things working? It works with adults. Why isn't it working with 500 kids? Um, that might be how you feel in the classroom sometimes, you know, struggling, to start off class or return from a group activity is a challenge every single teacher faces. 
Some of those, you know, some teachers experience more of that challenge than others. You know, if you were talking middle school teachers, God bless you. You might face that challenge more often than uh, those who teach AP English to seniors in high school, right? Like there, there's a maturity gap and, and, and that can make that struggle more severe or less severe. However, as important as it is to get your students' attention and be as efficient with time as possible, I don't think it actually has to always be difficult. And, and again, everything I'm about, I'm going to share a bunch of strategies here in a minute. Um, but I want you to know, especially if you are newer to the profession, if, if, if you're still kind of getting your sea legs as an educator, as a teacher, just know that a lot of what we're talking about here does come with wisdom, right? It comes with experience. You can really only gain it by doing it or observing others. But maybe what, what I'm about to share, I want to share some strategies to get students' attention. Maybe one of the things that you can do, whether you're experienced or, or, or inexperienced as an educator, is like where maybe do these fit best in different different scenarios you know as i said a moment ago well i I don't know if i said this i'll just say it again this is the beauty of podcasts i don't have to edit that out i'm just going to keep rolling forward um you know what i learned this past weekend like or the way that i was able to finally start getting 500 kids attention at one time was i had to employ a few different strategies that one-on-one strategy working with students i also uh I, I tried, I'll share the technique in just a moment, but I did a call and response with students and that really seemed to pull them in. Um, I, I had to lower my energy and learn from day one. Those work for me there, but some of the strategies I'm about to share might not actually apply to that scenario I was in, or maybe they wouldn't apply to a room full of third graders, or maybe they wouldn't apply uh, under different circumstances. And so I'm just going to share a bunch of different strategies that I use myself and that I've learned from other teachers and then go and use myself, because that's where I've learned everything, by the way, just in case there's ever any confusion. Like, where do you come up with all this stuff you talk about? Oh, I'm, I, I, I often learn uh, most of what I'm talking about from the masters among me. You know, getting to be with other teachers and thinking about coworkers I've worked with. Or, you know, you, maybe if you listen to that past episode with Sherry Steelman, you should listen to that one. That's a teacher who taught for 50 years in the classroom. I learned from people like her. And uh, the, the strategies I'm about to share with you are, are stuff that are all teacher tested um, and that I've used myself and know like, yeah, these are some different ways that actually work to get kids back. Because we don't want to lose our temper with students, right? Like we don't want to have to raise our voice. We don't want to have to get angry, even if that is sometimes effective and getting that immediate result, sometimes there's a consequence behind it. You know, I'll be the first to admit it. I have lost my cool with students before. Right. Like there has been times where I'm trying these different techniques and they're not working or maybe I'm having a bad day and I'm just not feeling it. Whatever it was, there has been a number of times where I'm like where I've raised my voice or where I, you know, I say to students, you are being incredibly disrespectful. I need you to be quiet now. And, and when I lose my cool like that, usually what happens is students respond appropriately. Oftentimes they're, they're quiet and maybe they're a little bit like deer in the headlights, like, uh oh. We took it too far, and I think there's a place for that, right? Like, I I think it's good for them sometimes to understand that, but what also can happen when we lose our temper with students or when we, we lose our cool and raise our voice I think sometimes it violates a little bit of the sanctity of the classroom. I think it, it, it shows some students like, oh, okay, that's the limit. That's how far I can take my teacher now. And so I can take it all the way to that line. And, and it, it kind of creates a boundary of where they might take it. And you don't want them to take it there anymore. I think it also uh, 
you know, sometimes shows students a little too much of the emotions that we bubble up. I think it's always better to try to work it out without having to get too emotional that way. Um, because then you can shift into whatever you're trying to do. You know, when you lose your cool like that right before you're about to do a 15 minute lecture on something complex and, and important for them to learn, it's kind of hard to shift gears from this heightened, emotional, angry response that you just have and be like, all right, now we're going to talk about factoring polynomials, right? Like that's a hard shift to make. I'll tell you, like on Friday, that was a shift I had to make. Like, and it, and it wasn't easy because students were being difficult. There's all these kids talking and yelling. And even when I was talking, kids were interrupting me and I'm starting to get a little worked up about it. And I, and I'm feeling all of these feelings. And then finally, when it was quiet, it's like, all right, now I got to shift gears and uh, and, and share the gospel with you, right? Like, or, or I'm going to try to share this like Hebrew term and help you understand the context of what we're talking about. And it was really hard for me to balance both of those. I just had this negative experience here where I kind of lost my cool a little bit. And now I've got to completely shift gears and be somewhere else. It's hard to do that yourself. But then also remember students often are going to match your energy. And so if we let it get super emotional and we raise our voice and, and yell or whatever it is, we bring students there and then it's hard to bring them back to the level that we want them at there. Uh, it, it, you know, if we want a calm room, it's kind of hard to get there if we're not calm ourselves. So how do it? How, how do we, how do we get our students attention without raising our voices? All right. The first strategy I want to share with you is standing at proximity with your students. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, when you are standing at the front of the room, you may be close to the students at the front, but you're a whole classroom away from kids at the back. And so, you know, it, it's a lot easier and take this from somebody who spent a lot of his school experience sitting in the back of the room. And, and that wasn't because the back was more comfortable. That was because I could get away with more in the back of the room. It was because I could talk a little bit louder without getting caught. Or if I'm being honest with you, it was easier to cheat if I was in the back of the room, or it was easier to misbehave in the back of the room. Um, and so if the teacher is oriented at the front of the room at all times, if, if that's how the, the room is arranged and there's, there's just this one spot that you can find the teacher most of the time, boy, you're making it easy for us kids in the back to get away with whatever we want to get away with. And so what if instead of trying to get their attention from the front, you go and stand in the middle of the room where you're closer to every single student? And so if there's, but also if there's a certain group of students who have a little bit more trouble redirecting, go and stand near them when calling the class's attention. So the reason I say this one first is I want to give some more specific strategies to use to get students' attention, but I think your proximity really matters when using all of these other strategies. So for instance, uh, another great strategy is using a timer. So structuring the time students spend in your class, it can help eliminate the chaos of getting their attention. So if you have a screen in your room, project a timer for each activity that students are working on. That way, students can see how much time is left and when they need to redirect back to the teacher. It gets rid of some of the surprises of when you're going to call their attention. And one of the ways that I've found really helpful is if you have an Amazon Echo or the Alexa, you know, you can say, Alexa, set a timer for five minutes. You say to the class, all right, guys, five minutes, we're going to bring it back as a whole class. 
You'll hear the timer go off. And this way, again, there's no surprises when you get their attention. And as an added bonus, Alexa can call them back for you. But again, going back to that idea of proximity, when you know that timer's about to go off, go stand in the middle of the room. And when the timer goes off, students know, oh, he, the, the teacher's closer to me. Now it's time to redirect. So using a timer is really helpful. I also even just do that in workshops when I work with teachers. I'll say, all right, everyone, we are going to have a discussion about this topic. Um, and we're going to come back in four minutes. It's just, it makes it easier for them to transition. They know to wrap up their work. They wrap up their conversations. If they're talking about things outside of what they're assigned to talk about, which happens in teacher PDs, it happens in classrooms, whatever. They know like, all right, well, I've got one minute left. I've got 30 seconds left. I've got five seconds left before it needs to go back. So timer is great. Proximity is great. All right, next strategy, utilize awkward silence. And what I mean by that is don't say anything to bring students back. Just stand there. <laughs> now, this one can be a little difficult at first, and it can seem a little counterintuitive to stand in the middle of the room and say nothing, right? Like, if you're trying to get them to do something, wouldn't you have to provide a command for it or some type of cue? But actually, standing silent is one of the very best cues that you need students' attention. You know, and, and that's why I think it's one of the best strategies I could possibly share today. You know, so here's how you do it. You say everybody, you say to your class one time, all right, everyone, I need your attention. And then you stand and you wait. And it will probably not get instant results the first time, but students will notice you standing there waiting for their attention. And it's like magic, they'll give it to you. You'll see students turn and quiet each other and they start shushing and it starts moving around the room. And it's really like they do all of the work for you. And I'm not sure if it's because students are embarrassed by making their teacher stand quiet for so long. I, I, that, that could be it. You know, when I uh, was, was really struggling on Friday night, and I'm just being vulnerable with you, when I was really struggling to get 500 12 through 13 year olds attentions on Friday night, one of the best things I did was I just stood on the stage and instead of like saying, all right, guys, let's bring it back. All right, let's bring it back. And talking to individual kids, I tried all that and it wasn't working. I just stood there and looked at them. I didn't even say, I'll wait. I just stood there and it was like magic. It was like a Jedi mind trick. You know, it, it was like all of... I, I don't, again, I don't know if it's embarrassment. I don't know if it's respect. Maybe there's this deep-seated respect. Whatever it was, all you got to do is just stand there quietly and, and all of the disruption usually vanishes. Kids know you will stand until you have their attention and it makes them feel a little awkward and then they give you their attention immediately. And so, again, this one takes a little bit of time. Students learn, but this is one of my very favorite ones. It's just utilizing awkward silence. You know, another great one is using call and response. And these are classics. Again, nothing I'm sharing here is rocket science, um, but I love this one. It's, it's great culture building that makes getting the class's attention really fun, but then also familiar. So what happens is, is you, the teacher, has a regular call out to students, and students know how to respond when they hear that call out from you. So for instance, and this is the one that I have always done, I would say to my students, what's up, what's up? And the class responds, you know what's up. I teach them that on the very first day of the school year. What's up, what's up? And they all go, you know what's up. They all collectively say something, and then they know the cue is to just be quiet and give me their attention. You know, and there's loads and loads of these different calls and responses that you could, 
excuse me, that you can do. You know, the teacher can say, everybody say Ayo, and then all the kids go Ayo, or the teacher can yell out, holy moly, and then kids go guacamole, or the teacher can say, all right, now stop, and then the kids go collaborate and listen, or my favorite of all that I learned from early elementary teachers in East Moline, Illinois. They yell out, actually, I'm going to tell you a little story. One time I was uh, doing a big PD with uh, several hundred teachers and I was trying to get their attention, but it was this huge room and people in the back couldn't hear me. And so I'm kind of like using my proximity and moving around. And I'm like, all right, everybody bring it back. And, and, and it was taking like a few seconds longer. And one of the teachers stands up and she goes, here, can I help you? I was like, oh, sure, whatever you got. I, I'm always open to, to, to assistance. And so she stands up and she yells so loud. She goes, waterfall. And all of a sudden, all 200 teachers in that room go, shh. And they take their spirit fingers and they make it drip down like a waterfall. And they all go, shh. And all of a sudden, the whole room, all 200 teachers, it was like they were shushing each other. And then the room was silent and I had the floor and I was like, okay, that is sorcery. Like, what is this magic woman? I, I couldn't believe how effective it was. And now I use it all the time. I use it with students. I use it with future teachers. I use it with current teachers. I've used it over and over. I used it with middle school kids on a Saturday morning at a Young Life camp this weekend. And it works with everybody. Just yell out waterfall. Or another great one is flat tire. You yell out flat tire and everybody goes, shh. So anyway. Try, try the call and response. It's one of my favorites. It's a fun way to grab attention, but also get everyone on the same page. Um, number five, are we on five? Number five is utilizing helpful students. I mean, every class has them. Those students who help shh everyone else and make sure everyone is following the rules. And now sometimes those kids can be a little overbearing, right? Like and, and the rule enforcers. So I, I, get, I get it. Sometimes it's a little overbearing, but I think we'd all agree that sometimes those students are a valuable asset to the class when it comes to trying to get everybody's attention. And so when this student, which I think we all have them, is trying to quiet their classmates as you stand silently at the front of the room or in the middle of the room, see number two, make sure to thank them publicly when you get the class quiet. And, and so, I, and I mean it like, so if you see kids that are like, guys, be quiet, I would like verbally say to them, hey, thank you, I appreciate that. You know, what this does is it shows gratitude to that student, student and it also encourages them to continue to be your helper in this way, to, send, to assist you. But it also sends the message to the class that this is what the expectation is when the teacher is trying to get attention. Um, number six, have a countdown call out. So instead of calling your class's attention out of nowhere, give them a five second warning every single time. And so what you'd say is like, all right, everyone, we are bringing it back with me in five, with me in four, with me in three, with me in two, with me in one. And students know that by the time you get to one, you need to have your conversations wrapped up and you need to finish what you're doing and now give me your attention. So I think doing that countdown is a really gentle way to bring them back as long as they know the expectation is by the time I get to one, I do need quiet. And I'd again, I do this with adults and I do it with students and it works. Number seven, this is just using a special light in your room. So essentially have a, a light in a central place in the classroom that when you turn it on, it means you need the class's attention. It's that simple. It's just a visual cue. It could be a lamp. It could be a stoplight. It could be a lava lamp you turn on. It could be a disco ball or really any other type of light that gives students a visual cue 
to stop what they're doing and give you their attention. So get a special light. I love this one. Uh, number eight, I love this one. It's play animal sounds. So this one might be for more of your auditory students. Uh, and really all it is, is play like mooing sounds or chirping birds or howling monkeys through your classroom speakers when you need your students' attention. The, the truth is it's funny, but not only is it funny, it'll, be, it'll get their attention when you need it because let's be honest, Who's going to carry on a conversation when there's pigs oinking in their ears? So just playing a certain sound, or maybe it's playing a song, um, but something to get their, their attention back. And I'll give you a little pro tip. I, I, I love to give students the opportunity to choose which animal sound it is. It could be daily or maybe every other week, or maybe there's a rotation where kids get to choose the animal that day. And so therefore it gives them a little bit of choice, a little bit of silliness. It's fun for them. And it makes sure the whole class knows that what sounds uh, to listen for and to use to refocus their attention. Um, number nine strategy, I hadn't, didn't make this one up, but it is a classic and it works. Clap if you can hear me. This is a timeless classic. It's worked across generations. And it goes like this. You say out loud, clap twice if you can hear me. And the students who hear you will clap two times. Now you say, clap three times if you can hear me. More students will join in the clapping. They're going to hear each other clapping. They know, okay, it's time to refocus. I hear that clapping. Third time, you could say something like, clap 11 times if you can hear me. One, two, three, four, and you get 11 claps. And by now, there is no chance that there is a student in the room who doesn't know that you need their attention. And, and when you do this, the clapping, kids get to burn a little physical energy, and you now have their attention. It's timeless and magical. All right, last one. The last strategy to get students' attention without losing your temper is the most important one, and this applies far beyond just getting their students' attention, but we'll stay zeroed in and focused in on that one for now, is build relationships with students. The most effective of all of these attention-getting techniques is building relationships with kids. Because when students feel trusted and respected by their teacher, they will return that trust and respect. It's human nature. When someone gives us respect, we are much more apt to return it to them. And this is why the best classroom management starts with relationships. Simply put, kids will give their attention to teachers who they know cares about them. And so the most effective way to start class quickly and get students' attention is to care about them and make them Make sure that they know it, they, that they know that you do. Because I've found, and, and, and you know what? Going back to my example from Young Life Camp on Friday is that first night, these kids had no idea that I cared about them, that I'm there for them, that I wasn't getting paid, that this was, that this was something that I was excited to do. They don't know about that. They don't even necessarily care about that. They might have even had some skepticism. Like, who is this guy? Why should I be quiet for him? When he asked for my silence, why does he deserve that? Like, I didn't win the right to be heard with them. Now, with people, I, that, that same is true when I go and work with teachers somewhere. But like, you know, when I was in Los Angeles last week working with a bunch of teachers, hello, my Santa Paula friends, so good to be with you uh, a couple weeks ago. I miss you all. Um, but anyway, when I was with them, I didn't win the right to be heard by them either, right? Like this was my first time with them, but they're mature. They have the social maturity. They know that they, they understand how to give the benefit of a doubt, or they at least have the patience and grace for me to win some of that respect. And so they give it early on or they know that this is PD and 
you know, their, their mindset towards it is going to dictate how they feel about it. Whatever it is, I didn't have the respect at first, or at least I didn't earn it. And, and yet it's not that difficult because I'm working with adults who have that maturity. The same cannot always be said for students, whether they are very young or college students. If you don't have the social maturity, sometimes you have to win the right to be heard. With these kids at camp on Friday, I didn't win that right, and so I didn't get it right away. Now, when I gave my very last talk on Sunday before they got to go home or when they went home, I kind of wanted a little bit, right? Like they, they, I had interactions with them. I got to build a little bit of relationship, not deep. It was way too fast to do that. But by the end, I, I'd won some of their, their, their trust and therefore they gave it back to me. They gave me respect. They gave me compliance and, and they were much quieter and much easier on Sunday than they were on Friday. But it's so, and that's why as educators, one of our chief goals is to build relationships with students and help them understand that we are there for them and we have their back. They are literally the reason we are in this work. And when we build those relationships, when kids know that you have their best interest at heart, not that you're their friend, not that you're even necessarily always fun, but that you care about them and, they, and that relationship is there, they're going to be much more apt to listen to you when you ask for them to. Right When you need their attention, you say, all right, everybody, let's bring it back. If kids trust and respect you, there's a very high likelihood that they're going to say nothing, <laughs> that they're going to be quiet and that they're going to pay attention. And so that's number 10 is building relationships. I cannot say it enough. That is the bedrock for everything we do in classrooms is relationship. And so let's lean into those more and use these other strategies to get kids' attention without having to lose our tempers. So we are a year into this podcast and I thank you for listening to, uh, to this episode. What a joy it is to get to share with educators, whether it's in person or it's videos or it's on this podcast. It is truly an honor to get to be a part of your story and journey in some way, even if it's a small one. So thanks, my friends. My name is Trevor Muir and this is the Epic Classroom Podcast. Have a wonderful rest of your week and thank you for the good work that you do. See you next time, friends. Thank you.